if you have your if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me uh, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter two? The Gospel of Luke, chapter two. We're going to be looking at just a handful of verses here tonight to uh, go along with um, all that we've been singing about. You've been singing pretty much the whole sermon, so um, I shouldn't have to say too much, but uh, we'll, we'll see what, what we come up with. For the next hour, I want to go over with you. No, okay, that didn't land? Okay. Uh, Luke 2, we're going to just be looking at verses 8 to 14. It says this, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. The title of this sermon is The Birth of the Prince of Peace. The Birth of the Prince of Peace. Now, if you've been watching the news or just been talking around the water cooler at work or with friends or family during this holiday season, Thanksgiving, and even up till now, uh, you've been, I'm sure, at least somewhat aware of all the wars that are going on around the world, especially in Israel, Gaza, and in Ukraine. Plenty of uh, uh, wars and, you could say, rumors of wars. Um, plenty of uh, conflict between men and nations all around us. And along with all of this war, uh, there has been uh, many, many calls for peace. If you've noticed, even whole protests or uh, uh, walkouts in the name of peace, calling for peace. Now, I don't want to um, get uh, neck deep in politics tonight. But I simply ask you this. What does that mean? Peace. What is peace? Often these calls for peace are simply just calls to stop fighting. Calls for the, the cease of fire. Stop bombing and shooting at each other. But is that peace? Is peace simply the absence of war? Or is it something more? Biblically, God tells us that peace is the state of perfect harmony. It is 
that state where there is no more fear of trouble and no more need for something better. That is peace. And when Christ left this world, when he left his disciples, he told them and he tells us, peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. This peace is not a peace that the world gives, but it is only a peace that Christ can give. Only Christ can create a state of perfect harmony between you and I, sinners, and God. Only Christ can bring about a state of peace where we have no more fear of trouble in this life or the next. And only in Christ do you have peace of soul, where you have no more need for something better. God offers you peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ is the Prince of Peace, and He has come to bring peace between God and men. That is what is announced here in the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's the announcement of the birth of the Prince of Peace. Verse 8, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Our attention is first uh, given to the shepherds watching their sheep at night. Now, what Luke is doing here in this gospel, he's going back and forth from ordinary, from, from what on the outside looks just plain, and then flips it to uh, a glimpse of glory and majesty. So we're going to see this, this, this contrast Right now, it's the common, it's the plain. And the common, the plain is the shepherds. And they're out there just doing their job. And, and to be quite honest, the job of a shepherd was often quite boring, silent, and lonely. They cared for their sheep. And, and the care for sheep as a shepherd required these shepherds to travel away from cities into remote places, far into the hills. And shepherds were really nothing special. They weren't, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a largely sought-after job. It was just something that, you know, the common person did. It was more of a rough job. This task of shepherding, it came with dangers like thieves, wild animals, lions, bears, and wolves. And those dangers often came out at night. And so these shepherds, we, we know from the history of, of shepherding in the ancient world that these shepherds had to be rough guys. They had to be strong, courageous men. They, they weren't easily shocked or caught off guard or frightened. And so what's striking is... In verse 9, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. So when Luke tells us here that, that these shepherds were terribly frightened, literally they feared, they, they were fearful with a great fear. It, it's, it's a compounding of the term. 
it, it must have took something spectacular, something shocking, something they have never seen before to get this reaction out of these men. For them to be afraid like this. They were trembling. What was that? It was the glory of God. It was the glory of God. This is the right response when any sinner comes face to face with the glory of God. Fear. If you truly understand who and what we are, you're a creature made by a creator and you are living in rebellion against that creator, when you come face to face with his glory, there ought to be fear. And that's what these men experience. They understood that this angel came from God and the, the glory that was shining around them was the very glory of God himself. The majesty of the Most High lit up that dark night. And they were faced with majesty. But notice the angel's response to their fear in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. The angel here commands them to stop fearing. It's a command. Don't fear anymore. What a thing to say. Doesn't he understand? Doesn't the angel understand the, the predicament these sinners, these shepherds are in? Isn't it right for them to fear? Well, absolutely. So, so on what grounds can he say, uh, do not fear? The grounds is, behold, I declare good news of great joy. You see, if these shepherds had reached the end of their life without Christ and without a Savior, without bowing the knee to God, then, and they come face to face with the glory of God, yes, they should have fear. But this was not a time for fear. This was a time of great joy. Why such joy? Well, it's because the angel came to bring good news. The good news, the gospel, is that a Savior is born. Christ, Jesus Christ, is born. This is the news, which is a source of great joy for every sinner. There is someone who can save you from judgment. Somebody came so that you don't have to tremble in fear to God. So that you instead can rightly fear Him out of reverence, but then run to Him with love. Christ came so that you don't have to fear. Sinner, you don't have to face God alone because there is a Savior who was born in Bethlehem. And this is a cause of great joy. This is a reason to celebrate. This is why we sing these songs. We don't sing these Christmas songs because it's Christmas time. Don't get it twisted. 
the, the world and the mall and Target, when they played the Christmas music, that's ours. That's the church's music. They've stolen it, you see. And, and fine, they can play it, whatever. I, I hope that, that it speaks to people with the truths that are in those songs. But, but there's a reason why we don't sing jingle bells here. Because we're a church. We don't rejoice over jingling bells or Santa or Rudolph or anything. We rejoice. The reason for rejoicing is Jesus Christ, you see. This is cause for great joy, great rejoicing. This is, this is the reason to sing. And what's wonderful about this is that this good news, this gospel, is for all people. It's for all the people. And we, we actually see that reality, that there is good news for all people, for all kinds of people. Not just uh, across ethnic lines, but social and economic lines. All people. This is available to all people, all kinds of people. We see that reality proven in this very announcement. Because who is the announcement made to? Shepherds. Just your common, roughneck guys doing their job out in the fields. Even for those kinds of people, people like you and I, this is good news for us. And it's good news for you tonight as well. Verse 11, we see the angel begin to describe uh, what, what makes this news good. What is so good about the birth and the coming of the Messiah? Verse 11, for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This Savior who is born was first of all born in the city of David. The emphasis there is on the kingly nature of this one born. We can have a whole, a whole uh, a side note that, that's an hour long about the, 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 the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant but suffice to say, this baby who is born is a king. He's not going to grow up to be a king. He's a king already. He's a king of his people. And he is ushering in, in his very birth, he is ushering in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of Christ. This one... The child belongs on the throne because he is of, it says, the house and family of King David. Meaning he is the rightful heir of the throne of God's people, Israel. So you think about uh, Israel and all the conflict that's going on. And oh, if they would just have a leader to, to guide them the right way. And, if, and oh, if, if they would only have peace. Dear friends, the only way that the people of Israel will have peace is when Christ comes. Because he is the only rightful king of the people of Israel. 
Christ is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. That promise of an everlasting kingdom where the, where the righteousness of God will be fulfilled for his people forever. Christ comes to bring that into reality. Not only this, but in verse 11, Today in the city of David there is born for you a Savior. This Savior is for you, meaning for the sinner, for you and I. Those who have rebelled and turned our back against God, those who have loved other things besides God, those who try and live life our own way and not go to God for any reference for you and I. This one is born for us. He is not born for the social elite. He's not born for the rich and the powerful, but he's born for the ordinary. Yes, salvation uh, the salvation that Christ brings is available to the rich and the powerful and the social elites, yes. But often God chooses to display his grace in the lives of the common folk like you and I. You see, we are all sinners who are enemies with God and rebels in his world. But still, it says that this Savior is born for you. We also see that this, this one is Christ the Lord. There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ means Messiah, which means anointed one. He has been anointed by God for a specific task for his people. Specifically, he's anointed as king and prophet and high priest. He fulfills all those roles of the Old Testament fully and perfectly. And this Christ, this anointed one, is not just another man, but he is Lord, Christ the Lord. That means he is God, Adonai in, in the Old Testament. He is God. Uh, he, he, it's Yahweh. It's the great I Am, the maker of the universe, the one who hold, holds all things together. This is the one who was born of a virgin. And if you just look, at, uh, just look up at verse 9, it says, uh, notice the use of the word Lord. It, it says, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But then the one who is born is Christ the Lord. So he's God, you see. It's the same word. It's God in flesh. Verse 12. Again, back to the ordinary now. After seeing the, the plain and the ordinary and these shepherds and their job and then this, this invasion of the angelic being and the announcement of the coming of the, the Jesus Christ, the Lord, and then back to the ordinary. Verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's not a really... Special sign, is it? Isn't it? He is to be found as a baby, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This king, 
this God-man is now accessible to the common man and the common woman. God on high is now with us. The one who was wrapped in light is now wrapped in cloths. The creator who holds all things together is now held in a feeding trough, a manger. How ordinary, how plain. And a better word is how humble, you see. Christ came for you lowly to meet you in your low estate. Verse 13, the response of the angels tells us just how amazing this birth actually is. What we see is a multitude of heavenly hosts. It says, suddenly appeared, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. A multitude suddenly appeared along with that one angel. And it seems that the number of angels was innumerable because the word multitude can be translated as a, a great crowd or, or even as the majority of a, of a group. So the majority of the angels or a great crowd of angels. So it's not a, it's not a stretch to imagine that the halls and the courts of heaven were empty that night. Because all of the angels had left heaven to see the sight of God condescending to take on humanity himself to save his people. They just had to see it. That's why they all show up. And they have to join in. And there's only one shot to, to uh, uh, worship and to, and to sing this chorus. And they're not about to miss it, you see. What do they say? Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This multitude of angels begins to praise God in response to what they see. And this little short little song is just one of the five songs that are sung at the birth of Christ all in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Ave Maria, as it's called nowadays in Luke 1, 42 to 45. The Magnificat in, in Luke 1, 46 to 55. The Benedictus in chapter 1, verse 68 to 79. This one, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, in chapter 2, verse 14, and Nunc Dimittis, in chapter 2, verse 29 to 32. All of those are just classic hymns, old Latin uh, church hymns throughout the church age that draw from these songs in the Gospel of Luke. Why all of these songs? Why five songs within the first two chapters of this Gospel? It's because Luke is inviting you and I to celebrate, to join the chorus of the angels and to celebrate the birth of Christ. Amen. That's what he's doing. It's a cause for celebration, you see. Amen. Now the content of this song begins, Glory to God in the highest. That is all praise, 
all honor, all reverence, all weight, all clout belongs to God on high. Because He is in the highest. He is enthroned in heaven. He is above, authoritative, and in a realm all His own, in a class all His own. He dwells in inapproachable light. Angels have to hide their face from His glory. Glory to God in the highest. God is worthy of glory because He is the Most High. If He is the Most High, then He's worthy of what? The most glory. You see? The most praise. Your foremost love. The most devotion. The song goes on. And on earth, peace among men. Peace among men. The song celebrates the peace that Christ brings to mankind. This peace is specifically between God and man. You see, apart from Christ, apart from Christ, God and man are enemies. And it makes sense, right? Because why would they have to announce peace? Think about it. If we're at peace with God, why is it a big deal that peace has come? Why does he need to be the prince of peace? If outside of his kingdom, there is no peace with God. But Christ comes to bring peace between you and God because he was born so that he might die on the cross in your place, satisfying the wrath of God towards your sin. You see, the reason why mankind is at enmity, at war with God, is because we have sinned against him. So how do you make peace when there's sin? And there's, there should be judgment coming from God for our sin. Well, the sin has to be taken away. And the punishment that God should give us needs to go on somebody else. So that, sin out of the way, punishment handled, I can have peace with God now. You see? That's what Christ has done. He has taken away sin. That's why John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what did he do on the cross? He took God's punishment for your sin so that there's no more judgment towards you, no more punishment left for you. And now what do you get? Peace. Not just absence of war, but perfect harmony with God. A right relationship with God. Such a relationship that you have no fear of any trouble. Such a relationship that is so fulfilling that you no longer have any need of anything better because guess what? There is nothing better. This is what Christ has come to bring. And who is this peace for? It says, And on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. 
So the question is, how do I get to be pleasing to God so that I can have peace with God? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Peace with God is not something that you earn. Rather, it is something that God grants by His grace. How is that accomplished? Well, Christ was born so that He might live perfectly, righteously, live in complete obedience to the law of God in your place. And so much so that that at multiple occasions of his life, the father breaks into the world and, 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 and as it were, shines upon his son and says, he announces, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Well, okay, that's one person who's pleasing to God. What about the rest of us? How do we get to be pleasing to God so that we can have peace with him? Well, the only way is for you to come to the one person who is pleasing to God. You come to Christ in faith. You wed yourself to him. You devote yourself to him. You turn from your sin and you, you, you lunge your, your, the whole weight of your soul upon him. And you say, here I am, Lord. Take all of me. Take my life today. Take my eternity. Take it all and, and just envelop me as it were. May there no longer be, uh, may it no longer be that I am the one who, living, who is living, but Christ who is living in me. And as you place your faith in Christ, you are wedded to him. And now, just as uh, in the eyes of the IRS, right? When you get married, you're one now, Right? His debts are your debts. Your debts are his debts. Right? So also, his surplus is your surplus, and your surplus is his. So it is when we wed ourselves to Christ by faith. Our debt becomes his, and all of his surplus of perfections, and that state of being pleasing to to the Father, that's ours too. And so now, it says... Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. That is, all of those who come to Christ, the pleasing one, all of those who come to Christ and wed themselves to him, there is peace to those men and women. That's how you get peace with God. Not by trying to be good enough to please him. Because trust me, it's a losing battle. If you've lived long enough, you know you can only keep up appearances. You can only keep up, you know, being a goody two-shoe for so long, right? But Christ, in his perfection, has pleased the Father. And now you in Christ are a pleasing one to the Father. And now you have peace because of that. So, to close... R.C. Sproul says, This announcement of peace, this announcement of peace on earth, is not the Pax Romana brought about by imperial decree, nor is it the cessation of warfare between rival groups. 
this peace is the transcendent peace which brings an end to the conflict between men and God. To those who hear the message of the coming of the Messiah, the war is over. Peace has come, excuse me, peace has become incarnated in the Prince of Peace who came to reconcile us with God. So Christian, Christ has come to give you peace with God, that state of perfect harmony with him, that state where you have no more fear of troubles from him and where you are no longer searching for something better because you have the best in Christ. This is what Christ has brought. Stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son into this world uh, to live among us and to earn a perfect righteousness, to earn our peace with you, God, to, uh, to secure our salvation through his cross. And Lord, may we celebrate the peace that we have with you. May we celebrate the, the reality that Christ has come, clothed himself in humanity for, uh, for the purpose of dying on a cross for our sins. Lord, you knew exactly what you were coming into, and yet you came anyways. What love, what, what condescension, what humility. Lord, we are stunned at you, and we, Lord, we, what can we do but worship you? So help us now as we continue to sing. May we lift up uh, joyful praises to your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing. Luke chapter 2, verses 18 through 14 reads, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly, terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, with which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased.